Windshield time again. Same studio. Got a guest here. My buddy Justin Steele, my business partner, is telling an awesome story about when he drove from Nashville to Vero Beach, Florida for spring training. So we'll resume the story of Justin getting off work at midnight and driving to Valdosta, Georgia on the route. Then what happened, Justin? (laughs) So, following some... um Lowriders getting past at about. <laughs> I can't do this. Well, you tell the story, dude. It's a good story. Come on, man. The um, so got got past doing like ninety five by a bunch of like G rides and decided to follow them and spent two hours driving between a hundred and a hundred and twenty miles an hour down I seventy five in North Florida to get to Vero Beach. Oh, so you're on the other side of Atlanta. I always thought Valdosta was this side, but either way. No, it's on the Other Florida side. Georgia okay, line. So, so you already got does. through fucking, uh, you already got through Atlanta traffic or Florida yes. traffic. And then, okay. Oh, yeah. No, I was, I was hours past all that. Yeah. So down there in that like Gainesville kind of area. And, um, <laughs> what is it? Osa? I can't even think of all these yeah. places out there. I've never been to that area, but I, there's nothing there that makes me want to go visit that it's area. It's flat and straight. And, um, and it's just like swamp and then like beach 100 miles that way and beach 100 miles the other direction. Yeah, but ended up driving like over 100 miles an hour following these cars for two hours and then got off the freeway and got over to Vero Beach to a hotel. Oh, so you made it all the way down to your exit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Where, and these those guys kept going that I was like drafting with and I just remember it being two in the morning and they they were asleep and I got inside and I was basically shaking it was it was like it was the equivalent of probably drinking 700 cups of coffee I've never been that stimulated in my life yeah <laughs> I, I just I didn't even realize and it was like they're asleep and there's no way I'm going to bed anytime soon. <laughs> I just had to like walk around the hotel outside. Like I've never just had endorphins pinging out my ears. Cause you know, going so fast that you could be dead in like a second the whole time. So you're just sharp as any, you know, laser focused. You telling that story reminded me of one of Johnny Potts. Do you know who Johnny Potts is? No. Johnny Potts was a guy that ran the Sutler before they're the OG Sutler, okay, and uh, the, the Sutler, yeah, the, the Sutler, yeah. Uh, so he stopped by the brewery one day and was telling all these just random ass stories. He was telling me how, of course, Hillary was a murderer, and there's video of it. And he was telling me these crazy ass stories, but he, he, I think he called it like the Iron Ass, the Iron Cheeks, or Iron Seat. It's like the Iron Seat Challenge, and it's like driving across the country without stopping to rest on a motorcycle. And he was telling me that he did this once, leaving out of Atlanta. And he said, uh, you know how to keep yourself. And dude, he has these crazy ass stories anyway. He's like, you know how to keep yourself when you start dozing off, how to stay awake? I'm like, how's that, Johnny? He goes, you rev your motorcycle up, try to hit about 150, 160 miles an hour. And by that point, your adrenaline's pumping so much, there ain't no way you can keep your damn eyes shut. I was just like, uh, I'll take your word for it, bro. <laughs> it's, 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 um, it's a fact. I've never, never done that again, but it was... I did... Uh, something I could never explain. I did a road trip once to... Uh, left out of Nashville and drove up to Kalamazoo, Michigan, visited Bells. And then up to... Uh, over to 
Cleveland and visited uh, Great Lakes and then up to Omegang Brewery in Cooperstown, New York. And, uh, and yeah, I did like that each night and drank in each city. No, I did Ying before I went to Cooperstown. I did Yingling after Cleveland, uh, Yingling, uh, in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. I did that town. You don't think of them being that close together, but they're not, they're not at all. Okay, until <laughs> you've driven. Uh, west to east, and like, Pens- I've seen Buffalo and, and Cleveland on the same trick, Dude, trip, but never Cleveland to Pottsville. When you you don't think about Pennsylvania, but Pennsylvania from Erie over to Cleveland over to um, Pottsville, going west to east, is a long ass drive of nothing at all. Uh, so I made that and went to Yingling. And the only thing open in Pottsville on a Sunday night was like a Chili's. No, it was a Ruby Tuesdays. And I'm in With remember, the freshest Yingling in town? Yeah, and I end up meeting a, a bartender. The bartender there was this uh, nice lady and a couple of her friends, a couple, we end up going to this, I remember we went to this, air quote, sports bar that had frosty 12-ounce mugs of Yingling for a dollar. And I remember this because over the urinal was the, the seasonal schedule for hunting in Pennsylvania. Uh, the whole calendar as printed and sponsored by Yingling. <laughs> like, not since a bushlight camo can says I may accidentally shoot one of my friends in the face. <laughs> then that, and then that night, uh, the next day, very very hungover, drove up to Cooperstown, met a couple from Connecticut there, had dinner with them, and uh, stayed overlooking the little lake that was on Cooperstown and went to home again. But the next day, I'm leaving out of Cooperstown to drive to Asheville, North Carolina. And that's a 12-hour drive. And I got a stop, and I got a ticket in New York, and then I got another one in Virginia. Uh, what was your number? How many over? Oh, it wasn't that bad. I was going like 67 and 55 in New York. and then uh, that's a bogus ticket. Yeah, and then Virginia, I want to say I was doing like 82 or 87 and a 70. But... Um, I remember that trip. I drove for eight hours in silence without the radio on or anything just to see how long I could do it. And the whole time, all I did was put in my head this TV show, this drinking show. <laughs> I worked out every step of this show of how, like, how I would get there, what the show was about, who I was going to have on my show. It was a really good idea by the time you arrived. Oh, it was a great idea until about 30 miles outside of Asheville. I just was like, that's the stupidest idea ever. No it's one's never ever going to watch this after spending eight hours of putting it together. But then I got to Asheville and I toured Holland Brewery when they were still in the basement in downtown Asheville. Had these old dairy tanks and stuff there. That was a good trip, though. When I was in Kalamazoo, they were having a fucking, um, they were having an Irish festival in the middle of town. And it was rainy and drizzly and there wasn't hardly anybody there at all. Um... <laughs> And I remember running into people that were just, they're like, we're not going to hang out here. You want our beer tokens? I'm like, yeah. And I remember uh, I was in my four-door Dodge Neon just pounding Guinness there in the middle of town. The Dodge Neon? Man, that's been a while. I know. And (laughs) some dude pointed out to me the building in downtown Kalamazoo where either one one of the Rolling Stones died. One of the dudes in the Stones died in a hotel in Kalamazoo. I don't remember which one. May have been their old bass player. I know it wasn't Brian Jones. Yes. He was in a pool in yeah. England. I'm not something. sure which one it was. I think it was somebody of the Stones. Some band. And I was like, I'm probably never going to remember. 
I don't know. <laughs> but I remember leaving out of there, going and trying to find a place to park where I could sleep in my car and sleep it off. And I went down a block and turned down this this dark street. And I started hearing this grinding noise. And not until I realized then that I turned down a railroad track. <laughs> and, and right next Sober? to the railroad, no, right next to the railroad track was a uh, was a bar or apartment or something. I remember people sitting on the back of it smoking a cigarette, looking over like, "What is he doing?" And I remember just backing up and barely getting out of the situation, and uh, just finding a parking lot and sleeping it off, man. And then, <laughs> then Cleveland was fun too, man. Cleveland was fun because I went and that's when Opie and Anthony were still on the radio, and they had this traveling virus show. Did you ever see that clip of Bill Burr just attacking the Philadelphia fans that were booing him? No. Oh, I got to play that clip. But uh, the next show after that was uh, attacking Philly fans, and then in Cleveland was the next show. But I saw that show and just hung out there. It was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. And win a hundred grand? No. <laughs> that was a good. Yeah, that was a good tour, man. That was a good trip. I did that in like five days, five or six days. It was brutal. I don't think I could pull that off today. I was just spring training at Barrel Beach. <laughs> it was good. Heard we ran into John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, who's always on the radio. That was weird. And then um, it was, I guess, Matt Kemp was coming up, and we got to see him play a bunch before he. What's the most memorable spring training you attended? Oh man! And why? Like, who'd you run into? Like, oh, I didn't expect to see him here. Oh, there's, there's a bunch of those but I'd say my favorite just going to Dunedin in Florida because the Blue Jays play there and nobody cares about the Blue Jays so if you go see the Braves or anything or the Yankees or you know teams that everybody cares about like it's always busy and Dunedin's like this weird little town like I don't know three miles from Clearwater and 18 miles from St. Pete that like nobody's ever heard of and we went into the you know, we we're into craft beer and the sit-go across the street from the Holiday Inn had over 700 different beers and it was the most like crazy beer gas station and it was all like high gravity stuff. This is in the 2000s? This, oh yeah, yeah, this probably would have been like 05 or 06 oh, would have been like yeah. the first time that we had been there and then the um, bar, I remember it was called like the Chickaboom Room right down the road had like all three Chimay's on tap and we're like Dude. Where the hell is this town? Yeah. And the streets are like these cobblestone roads, and like there's a dock, and we saw like manatee outside, and then we like walked to the ballpark, and that the town has its own brewery and a huge St. Patrick's Day thing, and it's, it was like, so we'd go back there every year and make that like home base because you could drive three miles, you had the Phillies, Dude. 18 miles were the Rays, like if everything you, yeah. was around there. If you grew up in a landlocked area, and in, in like in Tennessee, that's prohibitionist type mentality. And you go to a place like that, it's like Disneyland. You're like, well, I thought if there was, you had this many beers and all this, it would just be total chaos. We're like, no, we make it work. We're normal people, you know? I remember we didn't want to stop and we drove through the night once and um, one of the trips. And so we got to our hotel at five in the morning. And obviously they did not let us check in for our four o'clock in the afternoon check-in or whatever. <laughs> You know, at 5 a.m. We can. We got to charge you a full day. But it's we like, were still uh, up and needed to go to bed. And I remember going across the street to the sit-go and buying some gonzo porters from um, Flying Dog. Yeah, dude. Or whatever. And was it was it like, because we're was like. It bottles? Yeah. Packs? Yeah. Oh, dude. I used to have a Ralph Stedman autographed big bottle of that. <laughs> I drank it at Curtis's Wake. 
at, oh, wow. uh, at uh, Soulshine. <laughs> I've been saving it for like ten years. That's awesome. Yeah, it wasn't that good. <laughs> then, After I, ten years, you know what? You know what's funny is I remember having to choke that beer down too in the parking lot, being like, I. I'm having a real hard time with this. <laughs> like, it was like, it, it was not the fact that I was drinking a beer at five in the morning yeah. or six in the morning. It was that I was still up and drinking a beer and it was just like, Dude, yeah, I figured there, I was uh, like, it's like 9%. This will knock me right out. And it was just like, this is gross. Is there anything, that feeling of being awake and looking at your watch and knowing that any minute the sun's about to come up? I hate that because I can't nap. I have no... I have a complete inability to nap. And once the sun comes up, you're just a zombie. It's like you can't go to sleep. Your body's telling you, like, hey, you should be up doing something. You're just waiting until, like, the sun can go down so you can go to sleep and, like, sleep really long. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to go to bed at 8 o'clock tonight, and I will wake up at 4 in the morning. And you can drink coffee or booze or anything, but you're still just a zombie, man. (laughs) Yeah. been there before. been there before where my hand was shaking so bad that I couldn't hardly feed myself. Your eyes hurt. Oh, God, yeah. And and especially, I'm sure where y'all are at, you had that, that dry sweat. It's not beating up, but it's enough just to let you know you're sweating. But you're probably dehydrated from your lifestyle anyway. Oh, and the sun starts coming up and burning you in the car. Oh, man. <laughs> like, you're like, it's too hot in the car. <laughs> I tell you about the Disco Biscuit show. I, went to, I was watching at Bonnaroo that one time, and they came on a little late, and I'm sitting there watching them, and started just like, felt heat on the side of my face and I'm like, what is this? And looked up and it was the sun coming up. I'm just like, oh no, this isn't good at all, man. <laughs> I that, got a whole day of music ahead of me and yeah, I haven't exactly. gone to bed yet. Yeah, I haven't gone to bed. Oh, that's the worst, man. <laughs> I may not see Wilco's day set. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that I remember uh, Yonder was playing a day set at Bonnaroo one year when it was a hot, dry year and uh, it was like, it started at one o'clock and I remember standing out there for maybe two songs. I'm like, that's when I realized I'm probably not the biggest of Yonder fans. I'm like, <laughs> I could watch this if it was air conditioning indoors, but I'm not standing out here and roasting to death to watch this show. And one of my favorite Bonnaroo no sleep things is that very first Bonnaroo, the Galactic played a midnight set, I guess on Saturday night, like all night till like the, the first sun, till the, Yeah, you were there for the first one. No, I wasn't there. Oh, but okay. it's it's there's I've got discs of it. At least. I was there and, for um, year two, but I wasn't there for year one. The the show was epic. The Midnight Galactic show is just super epic. But then they played like on the main stage, like a one hour like Sunday noon set after getting done at six a.m. Wow! And there's on the first DVD of the first Bonnaroo, there's a video of them. And they look like the roughest dudes you've ever seen in your life playing music. It's like, oh yeah, they um, <laughs> they're they're still wearing yesterday's clothes, you oh, know? Like wow, it was like dude. that's, but they, they still wore it out. So it's it's pretty impressive to watch. Yeah, dude, I got to meet Tom Morello down there one year when he was playing that solo Night Watchman thing. And then uh, the coolest show I remember watching down there was probably seeing Tool perform down there. And the reason why that was a cool show is because they had these lasers, you know, their light show, and it was a dry year, and so the, that dust just hung in the air, you know, because people walk around. And Tool's and stuff. a pretty psychedelic band they for are, some metal dude. stuff. People don't realize that there's a lot of oh, there's it's some so metal good, that man. actually grooves. That's not all like this. It's not just disturbed. Yeah, it's know, not just grinding kind of guitars against your ears. It's very melodic, you know. And then the imagery that's on the screens is nuts. 
But I remember because that dust was kicked up and it was at night, like their lights seemed like they just shined for miles, dude. It was the one of the coolest things I ever saw. It was a great, great show. Some of the shows that were really hyped that I really didn't ever get were like Dave Matthews. The Pearl Jam set was all right. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers I've never been a fan of. But, I mean, I could kind of Did you get to see, it. like, the police and Neil Young and all that? I those. saw the police the year, like, I think I told you before, Oysterhead was the year before uh, the, the police. So it was like the, the Oysterhead year was uh, Stuart Copeland on a minimalist drum kit. And then the police year was all dressed in white. And Stuart had every single piece of percussion that any human yep. being could ever have. Gong the size yeah, of a flying yeah. saucer. You and know. it was just like, you could tell, just like Andy Summers and Sting. They were just like, yeah, this is a good paycheck so our grandkids don't have to work. So it is what it is. And um, it was good, dude. It was tight. But it was just like a strict 90-minute set. You know, everybody else would come and just jam and hang out and everything. But that one was just a strict 90-minute set. I remember my friend Courtney Balser and my buddy David and I said we're in that one. What um, what was the best guest sit-in you ever seen at Bonnaroo? Oof. Man, some of those super jams were pretty epic over the years. Because even they just put, you know, in the earlier years, they would just put super jam. You never knew who the hell was going to show up. Or who was going to play what. Yeah, and they would end up doing Zeppelin or... Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, every, it was always if you didn't make the Super... That's when the Super Jams were cool. If you didn't make the Super Jam, you would just... All the next day, it's all everybody talked about was the Super Jam who showed up. The, um... I remember my, one of my favorite things, and I've got... I've got the CDs of this somewhere, too. Like, everybody had new taped shows back in, like, the very, the very first Bonnaroo. And the Les Claypool set with his fearless flying oh, yeah. frog brigade. Yeah, frog brigade. But they were doing Pink Floyd's Shine On You Crazy Diamond. And in the middle of it, um, Claypool stops. And you know, in his voice, he's like, You know, the other day, I had this dream that we were playing at Bonnaroo. And Warren Haynes came out and played. We were playing this song. And he came out and played the most blistering guitar solo in the history of guitar solos. <laughs> and then he started talking. He's like, oh, look, it's... Warren Haynes and then like Warren Haynes is up there and Warren goes bananas on the guitar or whatever and the solo goes on like forever and then all of a sudden you just hear Claypool be like you see people sometimes dreams do come true <laughs> and then they like finish the song and it was like how awesome would that have been to have yeah. seen that like I, uh, one of my first the uh, first full length show I saw at Bonnaroo was 2am in the morning was uh, uh, Promise and I was in standing ankle deep water it was year two of Bonnaroo. Was Primus an enjoyable show all the way through or just the three songs that you knew? <laughs> the three songs that I knew, <laughs> but I had never heard of Primus until 2000, no, it was 99 when Primus played Ozfest at what? Starwood. You didn't see Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey and hear them play in the Battle of the Bands doing oh, Tom, they on Tommy the Cat? Yeah. No, I don't remember that. I didn't, I watched the first Bill and Ted and watched the oh, second All right. Good note to self, go watch the second Bill and Ted's. It's twice as good as the first one. I'll do that with my ample time, just like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. it really, I'll never forget. Is it better it, than Huey Lewis? It's Impromptu got, it's got the, the, the dude from, the guitarist from Faith No More is in it. There's all these, George Carlin. Oh, you really? Know? I mean, Primus, it, it's, yeah. You I like when comedians that. get a hold of the writing or any part of a movie and just start throwing their friends in there. George Carlin showed up in a lot of movies. Yeah. <laughs> he 
Yeah. Remember him the 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 code of the road or whatever yeah, Bill from Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah. What, what? It was one of those like dogma or something like that. Yeah. Oh, look at your family. Nope. All right. That's all we got from Windshield Time. Thanks for listening from the Road.